Hi, welcome to Beyond the Filter. I'm your host, Liz Ryerson, and I'm here with Narcissa Wright, a uh, well-known speedrunner of video game of the video game variety. Hi, Narcissa. Hello. Um, so yes. Uh, so do you want to explain? I mean, I assume that like most people who are listening to this probably follow video game stuff and know what speedrunning is. But do you want to just explain quickly what speedrunning is? Yeah. Yeah, so you're trying to beat a game really fast. <laughs> and sometimes there's like interesting ways to do it. And sometimes there's like a lot of research and stuff that goes into it. Other times it's more of like a kind of a technical feat and there's like stories to be told along the way. What are the stories? Like what um, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things that just kind of happen over time, like how the routes evolve or like how so, certain time barriers get broken over time. So it's like certain, so you like, depending on what game, right, you're like, you and other people who are presumably in the speedrunning community are, are mapping routes to to find like the the fastest route and a lot like goes into the sort of the, the research, right, of like... Yeah investigating and so so you speed run you speed ran zelda ocarina of time and and a bunch of other games too but that i guess is the most like famous one so how many people like when you were when you were really doing that um were like in the community just like looking for bugs and glitches to exploit or like really sort of investigating um deeply into trying to find like the fastest route into the game but maybe weren't necessarily speedrunners or i don't know how many people were just doing that um back in like 2005 it seems like there was maybe i don't know maybe like a dozen people and it just kept growing and some people like dropped off like there's some old names that you don't see anymore but that number definitely grew over time and like a lot of people have influenced the game by finding things or discovering things or like contributing in some way and i don't really i can't really put a number on that but it's okay. been like a lot of people so so what um attracts you to speed running specifically um what is what is sort of the is it is it the the sort of competitive nature um is it exploring like old video games you love and sort of breaking them what what it what like attracted to you what attracted you to it like initially i don't think it was competition that attracted me to it i think it was more of that second thing that you just said about well not necessarily breaking a game but like breaking games can be really interesting too but just kind of exploring a game that i love and like really understanding it i guess okay um and when did when did you get started um well, I messed around a little bit with, like, Perfect Dark, like, a long time ago, and, like, I don't know, maybe the year 2001. So, so Perfect Dark had a had a mode where you could, you could record your... There, there was, like, an actual timer in that game, right? Like, you could... Oh, yeah, so it would, like, it would keep track of your best times, um, and you could actually turn on a timer that would display on the screen, so you could, like... Um, it's just for like individual levels. Like you would just beat one mission. Yeah. So the 
from my understanding, I don't know, from having followed speedrunning is like, um, I feel like I don't, I'm not sure if this is completely accurate. There might be other lineages of it, but, um, like, uh, the games like Wolfenstein 3D and Doom had sort of par times in the levels. And if you completed under the par time, you got like a bonus and Wolfenstein 3D, that was, that gave you more points and you were trying to get points. It was like driven by that, but like Doom, it wasn't driven by that, but they had a, they had a, like a, a way to like record. It still recorded your level times and there, there was a way to like use the, this sort of record demos. Yeah. The demo software that came, you know, that was just part of the game and then export the demos and share them with people. And I, like that's my impression is that's where like a lot of speed running started a lot of people sharing times and then like it feels like a lot of people got involved with goldeneye yeah goldeneye had a similar par time thing where you unlock the cheats and then um perfect dark also had that yeah i just remember like kind of looking forward to perfect dark and then i got it and then i was just like on the internet when i was really young and there was like a community of people doing stuff and i remember um, at one point, someone figured out you can like fall through the first level and beat it like in, in like less than twenty seconds, yeah, less than I've ten seconds. That. It got really short, down to like well, now it's I think five seconds. But um, there's other like discoveries like that that were kind of cool. So, but also just like moving around was like fun, and like I wasn't really good. I was like really young, but I was just like just getting into it, and it was something that like I messed around with yeah so it was initially just driven by the game like being like well you have to run as fast as you can through these levels to to unlock whatever cheat and that was like just a mode of goldeneye and perfect dark but it seems like um speed running a lot of the communities that happen online sort of grew outside of that and people you know started following kind of speed running outside of you know games that recorded your times or whatever and and doing their own thing so when did that i don't know when did you do you know like a lot about when that specifically started and when that sort of shift from just like speed running around goldeneye or perfect dark or doom or something shifted into like people picking old games and things that they loved and just recording and then you know also like trying to agree upon standards about how they do the timing and all that kind of stuff yeah there's so much to that um i think those games that did have the timers built in definitely drove like a lot of people to try it out and then um that naturally grew into different communities um running games that did not do that um i don't know the history of it too much really but um, I know some longer games actually, you know, still recorded your time for like the entire playthrough. Like, that's true. Like, yeah. I think, I think Metal Gear Solid does that. I know like Resident Evil did that, and like Silent Hill does that. Yeah, there's another game I was thinking of. I forgot, but but yeah, I mean, you could you could do it for any game really. You just need to use real time instead. Um, well, people, I don't know, people started to do, like, back then, like, a long time ago, when it didn't record your time or anything, I guess, people were still interested in other games, but you couldn't record for long periods of time very easily, so they'd break it into segments. 
So I do like segmented speedrunning where you like play a section of it and record it. Then once you get it right, like repeatedly retrying it, then um, move on to the next segment. Then submit all the videos as like one thing. But then that kind of fell out of favor later on. But I still see segmented speedruns, but they're, yeah, they don't seem to be as much of a thing now. I think, well, oh God, I feel like I actually had kind of a impact here with like... Once we started speedruns live, sorry, I'm jumping ahead really yeah, far. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 how did you? So, when did you join, like, the speedrunning community, and how did you like get involved? And you know, what were you involved with? When, okay. When so, like that that perfect art thing I did was kind of isolated. I mean, I was I was reading the message boards and stuff, but like I I was not really interfacing with the community much. And then later. I found out there was times for like Beetle Adventure Racing for N64. So like in 2004, I would um, do like time trial mode on um, on Mount Mayhem, and I actually recorded my run on VHS tape, and then mailed it to Twin Galaxies because oh, they were right. yeah, yeah they were supposed to be like the you know the official scoreboard. Yeah, and I mean if anyone's who's listening has ever seen uh, King of Kong. The movie King of Kong, um, they're like the sort of official rule keepers and scoreboards of specifically old arcade games. Um, and yeah, I they, guess they've they been tr- around. They tried for a while. to do a whole bunch of different platforms and games, but like the stuff they did with arcade was like a lot more iconic. And actually, there's a very recent controversy over some arcade times that may have been faked or something so like there's there's like recent drama like this year yeah there <laughs> always seems to be drama around that i mean the whole the whole story of king of kong is just revolving around different kinds of drama in those communities and it it just reminds me so much of <laughs> being on being in online communities as a as a kid and uh, like and a teen um and all the like drama that 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 those attracted but but yeah, yeah anyway. a, a pretty fun juicy piece of drama because like this time in dragster that was apparently the record of this arcade game um apparently the time was like actually impossible and then it was like verified to be impossible via tool assisted like looking into it closely trying every possible combination or something and then kind of like exposing this score on Twin Galaxies as like fraudulent after like 20 years or something. It's like it just recently happened. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So I'd been on there for like a really long time. Yeah, and there's like so many weird... So I, so I know that like a lot of this stuff probably started initially like I know Nintendo in particular probably more than anyone else. Maybe Atari did this too, honestly, during the... Um, you know the heyday of arcade machines like in the in the late 70s and early 80s which is where you know most of the big famous arcade games that are run in those uh or you know that people try to get high scores in those records um were made like donkey kong and pac-man and you know all that kind of stuff um yeah, so that was all in the late seventies, early, and they probably they had competitions. I know where um, you know they would, and it usually it was a, about high score. Um, but I also know like 
in in Japan, they probably well in in the Japan and the U.S. Nintendo also had a lot of competitions. They had the, like the Nintendo World Championship, and I think maybe some of that was based around. Um, I don't know the exact history, but I think some of it was based around running through stuff as fast as you can. Like the movie The Wizard actually has them playing through Super Mario Brothers three, and I think the whole point. Maybe they're trying to get the highest score. I don't know, but. Or maybe uh, I'm not actually too familiar with the yeah, but I guess at a certain point the high score thing, especially with home consoles, kind of transitioned over into trying to complete things the fastest. And like shows like um, there's that Nick Arcade show on Nickelodeon, um, and I guess like some of it was about getting the high score, but sometimes you know it's about completing things at a certain time. So. This stuff has always been around. I mean, I guess it's already an inherent aspect of video games. Um, you know, and it's an inherent test of skill to see how fast you can get through stuff. And it I'm just sure reminded it's... me of the Seinfeld episode where it's like the Frogger high score or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has it set a Frogger high score on one of the machines or something and like, yeah. wants to preserve it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely a thing. It's still a thing like, you know, go to like a barcade or something you know a place where there's um a lot of people playing it and trying to set the high score and arcade games have kind of come back a little bit um i think there's like they have their kind of own niche interests um some of those arcade games with the high scores it's like depending on how the game is made like um either the high score could be completely maxed out or um it was trivial to stay alive forever so like it was a test of endurance like 70 hours of playing or something um so sometimes the high score stuff is a little bit i don't know high score is like a as like a skills test can be good depending on the game yeah well one thing that i i remember with um wolfenstein 3d which i actually speed ran with my friend um back a while ago and He's like one of the pe- one of the people who uh, kind of discovered the technique in Wolfenstein 3D, where you can just let the guard get the guards to manipulate their AI to just open doors for you, um, which was used by the person whoever has the record now. Um, and um, it's fun to discover things. Yeah, and like uh, there were also other sort of level shortcuts that um, were more obvious that we discovered at the time, but like we had also or he in particular had tried to do high score runs because um the, the, you could balance it in such a way to where if you still got under the part time you got a big bonus but then like if you got a hundred percent on everything you would theoretically get a smaller bonus than if you got a good part time but then some of the the things that you needed to collect so like trying to find that like balance of ratio was actually really interesting to try and get the high score and that's like something that you know would require a lot of like research and math so that was really cool but like that that actually reminds me of um um when the game super monkey ball and super monkey ball 2 came out um you can get a high score for each level and so um it's based on like how fast you do the level but also if you pick up bananas, you get some points. So like, there's like trade-offs between doing the level faster or collecting more bananas. It's kind of similar to that, I guess. Yeah, and you can you can kind of infinitely 
try and figure that stuff out. But there, with Wolfenstein, there just wasn't enough people interested. I mean, the game was already old by the point we were doing this. It was like, you know, 2000... It was 2000 or 2001. And, and this is around the time that, like, Goldeneye and Perfect Dark were popular and you know that stuff was popular so anyway um oh and after um yeah so i guess to follow up on that first question still is that after the beetle adventure racing stuff which was also kind of isolated um i really got involved with community with um the legend of zelda ocarina of time um so how long when was that well i was reading the threads in like 2005 2006 and then i started posting um, I was reading in 2006, it was really fascinating because they started to figure out some more intensive sequence breaks, being able to do certain things that were thought to be impossible, um, such as getting to Gruda's Fortress as a child. And Wait, so what, what website was this on? So there's forums on Speed Demos Archive. Okay, Speed Demos Archive. Yeah, and they've yeah. been around for, for a pretty long time. Right? Yeah, and that's like where a lot of the speedrunning discussion was at that point in time especially like console games so it it so the speedrunning community existed for a while but it was it was fairly niche at that point yeah oh and then in 2005 youtube um was around uh because before that people had to like you know upload videos to their yeah whatever i remember people doing that with goldeneye and they were always like really low quality videos and they took forever to download and yeah the internet was much less developed So so yeah so um, what uh, so where did things go from there when you were reading those threads in like two thousand five? Well, people started to make YouTube accounts where they would start to like post different things that they found, and at that point there was already like the sub five hour run by TSA, which was like. It was like, oh, this legendary run of Ocarina of Time, the first time it's ever been under five hours. And pushing it much lower than that seemed really hard, because like, no one else was running it very seriously. There's so very was few runners. Really small amount of people running this game, and this is like in the mid-2000s. Yeah. And so, um, so presumably there were people who were running Ocarina of Time, but it was like a small community, you know, since it came out, but it was like a small community, so... Yeah, it seems like people had different projects they wanted to maybe do with it, but a lot of people were just kind of interested in... Because, like, once the glitches started coming and the skips started coming, people... I felt like people were really invigorated by it, and I know I was, and, like, that's what really hooked me on those threads... Um, just kind of seeing all these interesting things come out of the game that I didn't expect. So there was like this this five hour time that was like held up as as the thing, and then people started discovering more glitches and realizing that it could go way further down, and, and yeah. it sort of opened everything up. And that's kind of was really exciting, and that kind of helped get you involved in it. Would you say? Yeah, in two thousand seven, I actually was the first person to figure out how to leave the forest without beating the first dungeon. Um, And that method, there's actually a whole bunch of ways to do it. I just found, I was like the first person to find any method to escape. Um, So that was really cool. At the time I found it, 
it wasn't really useful yet, but it was later when more stuff got discovered. Yeah, and and also all the strategies around the like what is referred to as any percent, which is just basically complete the game without you know get to the end of the game without meeting any of the other milestones. Um, like is based around stuff that's done in that first dungeon. Uh, in the forest right yeah uh well any percent as it is now yeah it's crazy it's um 17 minutes long 17 minutes and nine seconds is the record currently what was the so so you had like sorry i'm jumping ahead a little bit you would set like this like big milestone record and what uh like a few years ago what was that time that was 18 minutes and 10 seconds oh, okay so that's a minute slower than the current time okay and the and route changed... the route's completely different yeah, which was they... actually mind-blowing to me because the game you know we're talking 2014 so the game had already gone through like 10 years of scrutiny to figure out a lot of things and i kind of thought that maybe there wasn't much else to find especially because if you're trying to beat it so fast you're only like touching a small part of the game so there's not really much to play with there's not much to work with to like find more ways to do it faster but it turns out there was a whole new mind-blowing thing discovered like around the beginning of 2015 and that did you you had stopped running the game after you set that record because I, I remember the video you saying like uh i don't think anyone will break this record like you know the because of the level of execution and um and the level of luck that you had um, yeah it actually was beaten with the same route um by a swedish runner named joden stone beat it by three seconds yeah but that is that is fairly um i mean that's foreseeable that someone could yeah well i made a four second error in the run Mm. and i was like kind of beating myself up not sure if i should like keep pushing the grind further or if i should stop and i kind of just decided i should stop because i guess i guess it was really mentally draining at the time because i was just like waking up and then at this point i was like very established there's thousands of people watching these attempts yeah. every day i'm just doing it like every day so wake up plan my day around streaming the speed run of this game mm-hmm. trying to beat it in like low 18 minutes so so let's go back a little bit so you got involved with zelda speed running and then uh you were involved with starting the site speed runs live when did that happen well before speed runs live there was zelda speedruns.com which is a site that i started and Basically, those Speed Demos Archives threads, they got, they were like really massive for Ocarina of Time. Like there was like, there were huge threads, hundreds of pages of posts. Ocarina of Time is also like one of the most popular games of all time. So that's probably part of it. Yeah. And so, you know, decided to have some forums and like a website specifically built to, um, kind of like be an archive of data because i had already in 2008 i decided to there's this really intricate glitch in ocarina time called reverse bottle adventure where you get a bottle 
um, instead of a sword. So like on your B button, you have a bottle. And then when you catch different items, the game writes memory to the long to the wrong location. So you can actually start to manipulate certain aspects of your inventory by writing like bytes where they should not be written to. How, how do people discover this stuff? Um, someone named Kazooie from Finland ended up messing with this old steal the fishing rod glitch and if you have the fishing rod um basically you can you can get out of the mini game where you go fishing and then you have the fishing rod and then you get in water and it sets some sort of temporary state to your b button and basically you can set the value of your b button to zero which is the deku stick and then there's another glitch where you could overwrite items that you had zero of with a bottle so you could duplicate a bottle over so, your b button uh, okay so it's like layering sort of a few different glitches that were found on top of each other yeah and then if you do all that then suddenly you can start to notice that different aspects of your inventory are becoming like very <laughs> they're showing values they're not supposed to have and so it was kind of a mystery and i was really fascinated by it and so I I really broke it down and like kind of studied the glitch and tried to figure out every possibility. And then I ended up finding this memory searching program called like T-Search like forever ago. And I used it to like figure out which memory addresses are like doing what. And so I ended up making this big chart of every single possible thing you could do. And that was kind of right before I made ZeldaSpeedruns.com. And then we could add not just that information, but like every trick that we found, like every sequence break, like every exploit could be like archived in detail. How long ago was this? That was 2009, I think. Okay. Okay. So like, do you think a lot of these games are so, especially like the N64 ones? Because I noticed there's this whole, there's this YouTuber who does... Uh, videos about Super Mario 64 where he goes like is super super into detail and tries to like figure out how to beat you know certain things with only pressing one button or something like that and there was this whole thing about there being like parallel universes yeah. and like and I, I guess I my impression is part of the reason that exists is especially with older games maybe in order to fit what they had on the cartridge or just as a especially with like Mario 64 and uh, Zelda, which are like 3D games, but relatively new 3D, they have to make a lot of compromises to fit the that amount of data and that amount of stuff in the space that they had, which causes some like effects, which causes like glitches and stuff. And obviously, when they're testing for the game, they try and they try and fix that stuff, um, but uh especially with a lot of those older games it's so impossible to predict and they don't have like solid technical sort of skills to know what can be sort of manipulated and taken advantage of plus they would probably never assume that so it seems like a lot of those older games are a lot more sort of porous like they're more easy it's just more easy to find that stuff it's more easy to kind of get through cuz i i noticed with like that Zelda in particular, I mean, one of the things that's so exciting about that speedrun is that 
there's just so much stuff that you can do like there's that category that's called all dungeons that like just involves warping around the game and just totally breaking it in various points um and it doesn't seem like that's as much the case with newer stuff but i i don't know is this that would you say that's the case i tend to agree with you i think newer games you don't find some of the same magnitude of like sometimes there's some pretty severe glitches or like ways to skip to the end or whatever but um i guess in some ways games are done differently now and so some of those types of glitches you don't really see as much anymore um and just different things have been improved too like collision detection yeah it's also maybe like best practices or something people get used to the, the certain things become standard industry practice once they kind of know how to deal with some of these issues which is like i don't know i one thing that i noticed with um you know watching streams and and those like games done quick streams is a lot of people will be like you know like lol this game was programmed so so great so that's why i can you know skip it they're like kind of making fun of the programmers being bad but like that's like what makes it them so interesting to watch you know as a speedrunning thing like some of my favorite speedruns are of totally easy to break games yeah and like keep in mind like some of these glitches they're not found even after like 10 years of people trying to break it and then finally they find it so it's not really like haha the programmers didn't do a good job it's more like it's, wow this is really cool <laughs> like i don't know yeah some of that stuff's really hard to find it's true and it it, it it's too much to expect like all that stuff to be ironed out especially in like those earlier games i think well and they they work on the game for you know however long but it's not like they have necessarily the resources to test and do all this stuff unless yeah. you're like I, I mean they probably probably some of the bigger companies do at this point but um maybe they just don't care i mean like the thing is like especially now it's like it kind of seems like almost it's a it's a way to get people interested in your game like speed running and and glitches are a part of that so i guess if i were a developer i'd almost feel like if it were really easy to skip a part then that's one concern but if it's like you have to do a lot of very specific things that's not easy to do like it's kind of like it's just kind of like wow you know that's cool you know it's like a different way of looking at the the universe and the game or whatever that is totally not intended but still i don't know i think that's that's interesting and i guess like my guess is the perspective of the developers they probably really like like that you know yeah it's it's interesting i think um it's interesting to contrast because i'm running the legend of zelda breath of the wild now which does not have nearly as many exploits like there are some things you can do but it's not it's not like you're warping around the game all over the like madly with crazy glitches and like exploiting memory addresses you know it's 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 kind of more it's more glitch free i mean there are some things but it's not so like severely glitched and that's okay and like i don't think that the game has to have these kinds of glitches to be interesting but those glitches certainly can be interesting and they can lead to really interesting things well i i think that's what like made me interested in watching speedruns again when i like rediscovered that there was a community a big community around it was like um 
I remember talking to like a roommate of mine and being like, "Oh, they do all these cool glitches of these games," and he's like, "That's not speed running. That's like, that's speed running is you just go through the game really fast. You know, you can't." W- were there like sort of like existential or whatever arguments about that? Were was that like a subject of conflict where people are like, "I mean, I know there's like glitchless and on." And un, you know, glitchless and glitch categories or whatever yeah. for a lot of games, probably for that reason. But like, I don't think that's as much of a debate now. But it seemed like a really big debate. Like, you know, well, there's kind of like okay, there's like there's like all these speedrunners, and a lot of them kind of look at the game like, well, we're gonna start the game. There's an endpoint or there's a goal to achieve, and then basically you're just sending controller input to the game, and you can. And it's hard to define a glitch sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's it's difficult to, like, clearly, cleanly define what counts as a glitch or not. And so a lot of runners, um, would almost make fun of like the things you might see in like a comments section on a speedrun where people are like this is cheating this is not this is not legitimate like so, like a lot of speedrunners might make fun of that attitude and um maybe there's a bit of elitism in it too but it's just like <laughs> i don't know how to say this i think there are like competing ideas like there's this idea that speedrunning is about executing things really well and just is the game intended and then there's another attitude that's that's like it's just about getting from one point to another in the fastest way possible, and but it is that the the kind of thing where it's um, the the speed run becomes about someone successfully executing like a glitch that helps them, uh, you know, like uh, skip five or ten minutes of a game instead of like be really good at the game. But then if you do a run so many times, it's not like you're even good at the game i mean it's not even like a it's not even about being good at the game because you have it so memorized that you know yeah that's the thing with speedrunning is like when your route is very clearly defined and you know exactly what's going on um yeah like when you think of like playing a game oh god i'm really bad at like wording this i'm trying to think of how to word this Uh, okay it's like for breath of the wild for example like what i'm doing now it's like at the moment like there's a whole lot of things i could be doing like there's a lot of shrines i don't really know what's going on in them because i haven't um i've played them once but only once and like i haven't gone back to them really and like there's a lot of different aspects of the game that i haven't messed around with too much yet despite playing it for so long but i've been focusing so much on the run that i'm doing and so that's like a very narrow focus and like focusing only on what's relevant for the run and everything outside of that is kind of almost discarded and it's not that I'll discard it forever like I'm probably going to I'm probably going to like you know do more stuff with the game later but in specifically talking about this one run that I'm working on anything that doesn't affect the run becomes pretty irrelevant so a lot of maybe like the gameplay skill or like uh, I don't know how you'd define it, but um, aspects of the game may be neglected when you're speedrunning. Yeah. And I think that is what those comments are upset about because, like, there are parts to the game that 
are simply just not relevant to the run, especially when there's like large skip glitches. And so, of course, it's not just about beating the game as fast as possible always. There's all sorts of categories. And that gets into its own large debate about, you know, what category do you run? And like, and then, you know, people create different leaderboards and if they want to like rank each other and then deciding what counts and like so how the, to time it and like the all the politics. Categories are dependent on the, the fact that people want to have different experiences while playing the game. Partially. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so going back, um, when did you start? When did uh, after you started Zelda speedruns? When did speedruns live come about? And well, when did also like streaming become a big part of? So how did that? How did that stuff grow? Okay, so I'd say these things ca- came about very close to each other in terms of time. Um, so we had Zelda speedruns. We were still kind of investigating the game. Some people were starting to work on more runs. Segmented runs started to fall off a little bit because we started to want to do, like, one sitting, beat the game. And actually, there was a whole... Sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit of a tangent, but, like, there's a whole thing there, too, because, like, according to the Speed Demos Archive rules, like, single-segment runs could not save and load... So they had to remain in the game the whole time and not go back to like the title screen ever, um, and not use the reset button on the console. And that was actually kind of an issue with Ocarina of Time because in 2008, it was discovered you could skip the door of time. So you could. I'm pretty sure that was 2008. I might. I, I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. But uh, is that that like weird glitch with a lot of different, very specific movements that that people do? There's some specific movements, and then you basically the pause buffering. Yeah, you you a lot of people pause buffer to do the jump slash, to like because it's like precise timing, and if you fail it, then it's bad. But now that, that I just, think nowadays some people don't. It's like it's not too bad. But yeah, that that just means pausing the game to 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 find a specific frame of animation so that you can like get a very precise movement basically that's what pause buffering is anyway i'm just explaining that to anyone yeah. listening and uh oh what was i saying i forgot what i was saying yeah i, I was talking about the history of like when speedruns live started and uh, oh yeah, so, yeah right so yeah so i was just going into this thing because um once the door time was skipped, you were actually stuck on the other side of it as Adult Link, unless you save warped, um, or if you got the hover boots, which was re- really slow, and so people were kind of disagreeing with the rules, and then we kind of just broke off into our own communities. Zelda speedruns had different rules than Speed Demos Archive or whatever, and then from Zelda speedruns, we all started to do races against each other. They started to be really interesting like it started with some different challenges like um get all the great fairy rewards or just like different goals in the game and then later on it just kept growing and then um it wasn't just zelda anymore it started to become other games too like super mario bros 3 or super mario 64 or super monkey ball and so we were doing these races on irc and we had like a little bot called um RBA bot because at first it was just a calculator for the RBA glitch in Ocarina of Time but then some um my friend Giano um well I don't really talk to him anymore but he ended up coding 
um, some like functionality into it to keep track of like the races and then you know because we started to play more than just Zelda like at first at first he wanted to bring like a duplicate bot into another IRC channel called Mario and I was like wait a minute no because this concept could be extended to any single game like it does it doesn't have to be Mario or Zelda and so I came up with the name Speedruns Live, designed the logo, put up a little site, and we set up the IRC channel, we got the bot working better, and we just started to race different games. And so that was kind of the beginning of it. Streaming had caught on, but had started up by then. When was this? Um, I'm thinking... I'm thinking it actually started in 2009, 2010, I think 2009 at first. I wasn't streaming right away, but um, Gianna, who I mentioned, was the um, became the biggest speedrun streamer for a while. On on the internet, like yeah, because it was only um, there, did Twitch exist at that point? No, okay. no. Actually, we started on UStream. Oh, okay, right, UStream. Yeah. And then a little while later, we went to um, Justin TV. We right. switched to Justin TV. And then Justin TV became Twitch TV. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I remember the first MAGFest, which is a music and gaming convention, that I was at was actually where the first like Games Done Quick event was at, which I guess was uh, the beginning of 2010. Yeah, I think people were like meeting up at MAGFest, and then... They wanted to do a marathon. And so that was also starting up at the same time. Cool. Um, so so it so when did it kind of start growing? So I know that at a certain point you were uh when it when it became Twitch that you were the most popular speedrunner on Twitch. Um when did when did that happen? How and how did that happen? Um, okay, so I remember in twenty eleven I was doing a 24-hour streaming marathon to beat an Ocarina of Time record for completing all the dungeons and Ganon's trials and the game. And um, we called it the MST speedrun because you got the medallions from the temples, you got the spiritual stones, and you also completed the trials. And so that was kind of like a... That was kind of like a, a genre, a category of Ocarina of Time speedrunning that was loosely based off of this older um, run that Kazooie did a long time ago that actually got... Um, it didn't have door time skip back then, because it wasn't found yet. But um, basically just instead of skipping a bunch of the game, doing doing everything. Because it turned out you could you could actually skip... A bunch of dungeons pretty easily and like you could skip the trials and that cuts off a bunch of time and it just felt it felt like the rest of that you know we, we wanted to play through the dungeons they were interesting and there's actually some cool tricks involved because um it turns out getting to the shadow temple early you could get the hover boots early and then you could use the hover boots in the other temples which would could be used for like time savers but um so I was just doing runs 
like a more modern version of that run that included door time skip and then completing child dungeons as adult link and so i was streaming that and you know ocarina of time was a really popular game and people people actually took a big interest in it because i was doing all this stuff that people had not really seen before speedrunning was not like it was an insular it, community yeah it was not nearly as widespread as as it is now so back then it was like I don't know, it, it just like started to hook people, and during the 24-hour marathon, someone who worked at the, who worked at Justin TV, decided to front page me, so I got like put on the front page, I think I got about a thousand people watching, and then eventually they decided to give me some partnership thing, and that lets you run advertisements to make some money, and so suddenly this thing that I was doing that was really fun... Um, could generate some revenue doing it and the community was picking up steam and so yeah that's just kind of that's kind of how I started and then they turned into twitch and twitch when did twitch like have a model to where you know any sort of you could subs when did they have their subscription model to where you can just subscribe to I think that was 20 12 okay i think they added that and so you started making a living through streaming at some point right because yeah of that so yeah like in 2012 i think i realized that instead of trying to do random freelance graphic design stuff you had graduated from college and like you went to college right yeah i went to college i graduated um and then Right when I graduated is when, like, I launched Speedruns Live. Okay. So I guess that was 2011. But we were streaming stuff before that. And then, um... Yeah, it... I don't know. It um, Speedruns Live got really popular. The race is really popular. Um, I feel like once money got involved, Giano kind of dipped from it. Mm-hmm. and ended up um so like at the time he was the most popular speedrunner well actually that's not actually true because i think in japan there was someone named i think it was batora mm. i can't remember if it was batora but someone in japan had like a huge audience too i think yeah i can imagine that probably in japan there was a bigger audience for this stuff because of like Nintendo, like I remember that hearing about that like Zelda satellite view game that had like competition that was built into it. Oh for... yeah, I don't even know much about that actually. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I think that there's like stuff like that, and um, and also like the player base for games in Japan has always just been very hardcore because games are such a, a video games are such a huge part of their culture. Um, so I can imagine that like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of that functioning separately in Japan. But so were there a lot of people in that community who kind of felt weird or skeeved out or whatever at the, by the point when it started getting popular and money started getting involved, or were most people? Um, well, I guess a couple things happened. Like Giano decided to kind of not stream as much, I guess. Um. And he could have made a bunch of money streaming, but I guess, I guess he liked to keep it like really, like having fun with friends and like, 
not trying to like stream for money. I think he just thought money would maybe suck the fun out of it or something. And so I think he, that's just my impression. I don't actually know what he thinks about it, but mm. um, he ended up just going off to learn like programming, which he already got some experience working on different aspects of Speedruns Live because we like co-founded it together. Mm. But I just kept streaming and like other people started streaming and a lot of people started to get partnership on Twitch and it just kind of became like this force i guess <laughs> like speed running as a force and that was like really what was it like one of the biggest the biggest audiences for twitch at the time or it was big it was like it was like me and siglemic the two biggest um streams and like sometimes that viewer number would be five digits long um so yeah, it was crazy. After um, I did that whole Ocarina of Time stuff for a while, and then did you? So you did you do that until you had set that record? And then no, actually, okay. So what happened in 2011? I did that. I was working on that like 24-hour marathon and all sorts of other miscellaneous stuff. And then for AGDQ 2012, I did a run an MST run just like I was running before and then after that I decided to well I didn't it was this actually came up came really naturally but like AGDQ by the way is awesome games done quick which is a charity stream so that that wasn't very big at the time um I think there were still the viewership might have peaked at like I don't know but was it was it live stream it was live it was live stream but it was a lot smaller back then okay it was pretty much only speedrunners at the event. There were, like, no fans. Okay. Um, but after that one, I was, like, just kind of feeling different games. I was playing some Super Monkey Ball, and I think I was playing some, like, Symphony of the Night or something. But then um, on Speedruns Live one day, I decided to do a, a Wind Waker race where we would just race to, like, the end of one of the dungeons. And so I started doing that. And I actually kind of fell in love with it. And it was, like, really... I don't know. I just, like, enjoyed it. And I wanted to get into it more. And so that actually kind of became my new focus starting in, like, 2012. Or, sorry. Yeah, starting in 2012. Which was... It was weird, though, because, like... After AGDQ 2012... Um... In Ocarina of Time, there was Wrong Warp that got discovered. So, like suddenly the thing that I worked on and that I held the record for and all that all the work that I did there um, easily becomes obsolete when you can suddenly skip these long post-dungeon cutscenes and use them to warp to different parts of the game so once that was discovered I actually did not really go back so much I actually just kind of wandered off into Wind Waker and that became my next like big thing that I worked on and you also ran like Castlevania 64 and some other games, right? Yeah. Um, there's an Ocarina of Time speedrunner named Christian F23 who on Twitch, I watched him like trying to figure out skips for Castlevania 64 and do some speedruns of it. And I was like, this actually looks really fun. Like, and after watching his stream, I was just like, I'm just going to buy a cartridge of this like right now. And so I just bought the cartridge and then I learned it and started running it. Yeah. I, I think the first time that I was aware of you was at 
one of those seeing you on one of those AGDQ or one of those GDQ streams. I think you played Castlevania 64. Um, but wh when did that stuff really start to? Because I know that like GDQ like grew really fast too. Um, when was the point where you felt like this was becoming almost like, you know, this this really big thing and almost like mainstream or at least becoming like a bigger part of the sort of uh, culture around around video games? So, I would say that the end of 2012, I guess 2012 is when it really fucking. <laughs> Sorry. When yeah, it really, swear, all right. Know. When it really hit, twenty twelve, um, because <sighs> the Wind Waker grind grew into this massive thing, and like, um, I don't know. It just like it just it it got so big, and like my stream got so huge, and suddenly instead of like, oh no, what am I gonna do for money after college? It's like people are pouring into my stream in the thousands and it's just like this massive like force and like i another thing with the monetization of speedrunning i guess is that you know i um i kind of became a target of a lot of jealousy like i would go into different people speedrunners chats and people would be like shit talking me like at random without me even being there because you're the person who's like the most visible and making the most money yeah and um I don't know. Like, the Wind Waker stuff was crazy because... Actually, it's funny because G Giano was the last person on the record before I started getting into it because Giano... Well, basically, Wind Waker started to get broken open, too. There's a thing called zombie hovering where you, you die and then you, like, mash the button really fast, this jump attack button. I like I like the name of that, zombie hovering. That's... Yeah, because it's like you're dead and you're you're hover hovering through the air. And um, It's, it was, like, very existential. <laughs> it was kind of fun because... The Game Boy Advance uh, Tingle Tuner thing in Wind Waker was useful because when you'd zombie hover, it's like once you touch the ground, you're dead. So even if you like fly up to like a higher ledge that you're not supposed to be to, if you land, you're dead. So it doesn't really help you. But if you use Tingle with the Game Boy Advance, you can heal at any moment. And so that's what we did <laughs> we just like used the Game Boy Advance to heal and it kind of became its own kind of little cool thing um, that, that's pretty neat yeah. you know, like using a, a, a different peripheral which I guess comes into play with some of the the Breath of the Wild stuff too and the amiibos and all that yeah there's a some people draw um, connections like that with uh, like this external thing um, so so this, so this stuff started becoming big. It started growing, and you also kind of sensed some jealousy. So when did when was like the peak of it for you? And then when did you kind of um, pull away from from it a little bit? Okay, so besides having the big stream, I was also still like heading speedruns live, and I wanted to like keep rolling out more features and do different things and like I was kind of a figurehead in the community and um, one of the things that I wanted to make were leaderboards there was all sorts of dramas that happened like oh god okay so like Machinima contacted me and some other people um, about like a potential internet show speedrun thing and 
I like heard them out and like basically instead of having some speedrun show, we came up with the idea of having like races with prize money. And so then we tried to basically set that up and then kind of reveal it one day. And so when we revealed it, it got like horrific backlash because yeah. Machinima has a really bad reputation and also the aspect of prize money and speedrunning uh, rubbed peop- some people the wrong way and also because they knew that we were going to get some money as well for like putting it on. Yeah, participating in yeah, it. Yeah, so it just like really rubbed people the wrong way and so after like staying up the whole night after we revealed it I decided to cancel it because everyone was pissed off and so that was like one instance of like a lot of bad drama another instance of drama was like who is operating the speedruns live IRC channel uh like there's kind of a culture of bullying yeah power struggles and (laughs) yeah there's like power struggles and bullying and um yeah so there was like mod drama you know yeah that's like prevalent in lots of online communities yeah online yeah and then uh another thing that really was strong was the leaderboards that i wanted to make so oh another thing that happened too was so um you know as the website and and everything expanded like we kind of needed more technical expertise because we didn't really know that much and so you know we had more people involved in like coding and stuff and one of the features that got rolled out was called SRL seasons which is like these different seasons of races where there'd be different rankings like every season or whatever and that kind of flopped and actually it was kind of broken and like it never ended up like working or going on to season two it was just season one forever and like it just kind of flopped and so people were like making fun of that a lot and like it hurt srl's brand or whatever and then when i wanted to do the leaderboards giano was like fuck this because you know there's too much between all these games and all the complications with all of them so like just fuck this but i still wanted to do it so i tried to do it and like i Basically, I didn't have back-end coding knowledge with, like, databases and stuff, but I did have, like, a lot of front-end ability to make things look nice and display nicely. And so I, w- I was happy to do all of the all of making it look good, and also I wanted to kind of be the visionary to, like, like, have the vision of how it should work. And I talked with, like, the whole community. Well, first we, like, we're talking more privately noting different problems with different speedrun communities regarding like trying to set up like a leaderboard structure and like where the issues were and like how categories are defined for speedrunning and like we started to like I kind of had like this vision in my mind of like making it really good and so at first we talked about it and then there was some backlash and then I was like basically people didn't agree with certain features of it and it's very political on how the categories should work and it's like really complicated but then I started to like I, I was still talking about it like on my stream all the time to thousands of people listening. I was like, we should get these leaderboards and this is like we should do this and that. <laughs> and like, you know, in the IRC channel, I set up like this room to discuss um, how they should work and like find every edge case and figure out exactly 
where all the problems were and how to make it work best for everyone. And I was like really focused on this for a long time. And in the meantime, someone else was also uh, kind of building a thing and kind of offered to kind of put it together. And like, I saw what they were making um, and I didn't agree with their vision, but I was too afraid to tell them my real feelings about it. And so I kind of beat around the bush and didn't really, didn't really tell them how I felt about it. And then I kind of went behind their back. And then down the line, a few months later, when I was trying to put this thing together, and then they found out that I was still trying to put it together differently, and I was too much of a coward to like talk about how I felt with them. That was a really bad moment, and there was a huge amount of drama from it. And um, I think I was never able to get people to um, kind of be invigorated like I was to create what I wanted to create. And I think that I was also arrogant in kind of... You were mad was, with power. I was mad with power. <laughs> I was mad with power, and I was a coward because I, I couldn't... I don't know. I couldn't talk to them how, how I really felt. I mean, that's like a tremendous amount of responsibility to be put on you. And and the fact that there's all of a sudden money involved in, in things, it's kind of hard to anticipate that that stuff would necessarily grow to the extent that it would. I mean, it, some of this makes me think of like when I was on the website OC Remix, um, which is like a video game music arrangement website. And... Uh, it started to get more popular and like composers from video games started to get involved and they started to people started to sell albums and all that kind of drama but anyway it just it's very familiar drama to me as like you know or and anyone who's been in like online communities or cultures that have sort of grown um out of the internet um it's kind of a it's a scary kind of place to be in um and on the one hand you have a lot of power in your position but on the other hand like that's a, just a tremendous amount of responsibility to be shouldering at like you know <laughs> in your like what like early to mid 20s yeah and it was, i was like living it too i was like on it every day like i was there every day like i was either streaming or in the irc or like talking to people trying to build stuff or like i was just completely immersed in that world like that was my life when did that when did that stop or when did that sort of turn over okay so by the end of 2013 um it got to the point where i sort of was abandoning like it felt like my power was kind of slipping away regarding speedruns live and that i couldn't get the things done that i wanted to do and that i had hurt people along the way so I decided to kind of, I guess, focus on my stream and just, I decided, I actually made a drunk, uh, I got drunk and then I made a proclamation that I would get the record back for Commander Keen 4. I didn't even know that you played Commander Keen 4. <laughs> That's funny. Also that I'd get the record for Castlevania 64 as both characters and that I would do Ocarina of Time any percent and get the record for that. And then, after I said that in my drunk speech, I said that I would go on with Ocarina of Time 
and go through every single like category and try my best in all of them. And so that was my plans for 2014. And at that point, it's kind of like, well, my speedruns live plans kind of didn't work out and it was really painful. And so I'm just going to do these things. And in 2014, I did those things. I, I played Commander Keen 4 a whole bunch and I got the record back. And then I played Castlevania 64 and I got the record back and I did it for both characters. And then I started to play Ocarina of Time. And the Ocarina of Time was months of grinding. Um, eventually I got that run, 18 minutes and 10 seconds. And that's the thing, the video that ended up going viral on Kotaku or whatever. Um, yeah, remember. I think it did. Yeah, because I mean, that's I saw it, I remember... I remember seeing it and I remember people sharing it around like it was a definitely a really big deal. And that that was at the end of 2014 or that was mid 2014, okay, mid 2014. And then, you know, um I also picked up a marijuana habit around then and I I was really trying to get commentary for that run and I was like really beating myself up over it, but I I ended up putting something out, but I kind of didn't like the commentary that I came up with but other people seem to like it but i i don't know i just didn't like it and then um i messed around with a few other games like i was playing some beetle adventure racing it almost felt like a victory lap or something i i got all the records for all the tracks in beetle adventure racing which was that very game that i had run 10 years prior which is kind of cool um i also messed around with goldeneye i got some records in that and then it was like, well, is it time to play Ocarina of Time more? Um, in the meantime, my record was slowly, you know, slowly being chipped away at. And it, it would fall like six months later. When they found the new, like... No, actually. Before it was discovered... Oh, you, we, we were talking about this earlier. You said you made a four-second error and then... I made... Okay, so... I was supposed to... I was doing this difficult trick called the Mito skip, where you try to get past Mito, who's guarding the Deku Tree. And I did it, but when I paused to equip my item, I also use that as a pause buffer to check if the frame is right. And I paused to equip the item. The frame was wrong. So I unpause, and then I pause again, but the frame didn't advance, so it was the same frame again. And then I unpaused, then I paused again, and then it was the right frame, and then I continued. So it costs four seconds. I see, and then somebody took advantage of that and was able to beat your time because of basically because of that. Yeah. So if, if my time was four seconds faster, it was still totally beatable, but it would it would have been that much harder. And f like, if you want to compare, like, like I did about twelve hundred and six. I think I did twelve hundred and sixty nine attempts. Um, each of those have is a three minute intro, so it's like a lot of a lot of cutscenes. But um, it's pretty much just waking up and doing it, yeah, every day, all day. Yeah. And then my run was beaten on run number like twenty six hundred or something by this other runner. So it was a it was a lot of work to put in, and I think if I if I miraculously had such a clean run that I didn't make that four second mistake, um, that you know the the number of attempts to beat it might be like really high but there was still some like improvements to be made like like you can be really critical and find like little little things 
There's like a more difficult strategy to get to Kakariko that was like one second faster that I did not do. And then they, but then they found alternate strategies. Yeah. So then like the category got broken open with a whole new glitch that just completely, well, at first the glitch was found and it was like random. It was like a luck based thing because you needed a specific item drop from an enemy that you kill. And if you didn't get the drop, then your run was dead and you had to start over. And the percent chance of it working was kind of low, like in the mid-20s, I think. So, like, a lot of runs would die. And um, I considered running it after that got found, but kind of just decided against it. So, so after that, like, at some point, I don't know how much you wanted to talk about this, but um, you decided to to transition and do all that stuff, and you're still streaming while you're doing all that and like you're you're kind of talking about some of the issues that you're having with the community and with like just in general more openly and that also attracts like an incredible amount of backlash which it seems like was already building before because of how popular you were or whatever but because yeah you're trans and this is like a post gamergate world too because i'd imagine this started happening a little bit right after the, some of that stuff happened um and i don't know so so what what happened like during that period if you want to talk about it and then and then I, I remember talking to me before you said you had some sort of injury for a while but but then you've gotten back into speed running more recently so yeah if you could talk about sort of some of the stuff that happened in that period i guess the last few years so like in mid 2014 after i got that run like when i it all kind of changed after that like when when i was like when i was trying to get back in ocarina time to like kind of fulfill my drunk plans from a long time ago to like do all the other categories i started playing ocarina time and it felt like well i'm just doing what i was already doing and it's like actually the same like there's nothing novel happening like sure it's like maybe this runs like an hour longer but it's really just like it's very much the same thing go on to this emulator called moopin and find angles and find consistent strategies and then just like practice and grind the muscle memory you're just getting bored of it it was very yeah i guess i was just getting bored of it and like i decided i kind of like woke up outside of my little game world and i was like i was way more fascinated by other things i started like staying up really late at night like reading about different things just like like kind of like a mad scavenger hunt going through like reading about physics and different things and it just felt like t- very uninterested in like um what i was kind of supposed to be doing i was just i would like i would get high on weed and then i would just like go online and like i would like think about reality and like i would i would just be like totally in this other place and i i was really starting to change as a person and at one point i felt like i had like a a spiritual experience but before right before that happened um I I felt like there's like this ego death that happened. I was like laying in bed and I just felt like I felt completely empty and that like I was 
just part of everything and i was i don't know it was like it was strange and then sort of you're following and you're not picking your own path or whatever um it just it part of it i don't know i just felt like kind of empty or just connected with everything and then i remember Mm. I, i went outside and i was like looking down the street and there was like um there's like you know thousands of leaves like to one side of the sidewalk on the other side of the sidewalk there's like a row of cars and they both they both felt like completely connected like both perfectly natural occurrences i can't really explain it everything just felt like as one and i felt at one in peace with the world and i was just in this like i felt like i was high for like 20 hours straight even though i didn't i didn't like get high again but i was just in this totally different mindset and um I don't know. I felt like my pers- I don't know. I felt like different state of awareness. Or like my perspective on life just kind of changed. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you're you're still streaming at this point, or like you? Uh, I wasn't prioritizing streaming so okay. much when I was when I was streaming. It was like I was just having fun with Beetle Adventure Racing or whatever. Okay, but. That- I know that after this point you would you were like stream but you would stream just more of like a video diary type thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, so like yeah, it's like I don't know, 2015 comes around and you know, my hands are definitely getting worse. Um Smash for Wii U came out. I I used to be a Smash tournament player for Melee for like a long time and I I really loved it and that that was before I got, you know, into streaming speedruns, I would do this, that. This is Super Super Smash Brothers. Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Super Smash for Wii U came out. I was excited. Played it online a whole bunch. And then I realized that I couldn't really commentate it so well and that people weren't, like, super invigorated. But I felt like kind of like a deep satisfaction just playing it. So, I would still stream it. I would still stream it. Just I wouldn't... I started not using microphone i started not using webcam i just started disappeared and um um i had some trans friends and there's a part of me that was like like jealous of that mm-hmm. of of them and that um In 2012, I kind of questioned myself with that because I I had like this like I started back in like 2012 I I started painting my nails, and it's like I asked I asked myself if I was trans back then, but I kind of I don't know I just didn't. It's kind of easy to just ignore it if it's not in your face or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and at the same time, I was like building a male identity on like the internet. And yeah, people you're... started to like me, and like I started to get really popular. Yeah. So it was just kind of this weird thing, and then, like later, it kind of resurfaces. <laughs> I don't know. And then sooner or later, it's like, well, shit, I should be on HRT right now, and eventually took steps to do that. Hmm. And and then like you came out at some point on was it on one of your streams or yeah um or no i I made a tweet carpe diem and i posted a picture of the 
estradiol and spironolactone bottles. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt about it. Seize the day. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. One thing that happened in 2015 as well was um, the 2015 Nintendo World Championships, which actually felt like this kind of culmination of, like, having gone through life with all all these Smash tournaments and speedrunning and doing all this stuff and then finally ending up being invited and going through all of that and kind of getting lucky at some parts of that and ended up meeting Miyamoto, which is kind of like this... That's I don't know. pretty it awesome. Was, it was really awesome. It felt like a dream come true. And, like, it's so weird because, like, I f- even though I felt like it was a dream come true, like, I go online afterwards and everyone's making fun of me because I, f- I was terrible at the last level. I couldn't wall jump. I was not familiar with New Super Mario Bros. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But, um, <laughs> but like, it was so weird because, like, for me, it was like a dream come true. But then online, everyone was just like tearing me down over my final performance or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a experience that I definitely have had with like um, some of being involved with like indie game stuff, going to an event, you know, or something where I hang out with people and have a good time, and then some on horrible thing happens online. Like actually. I don't know how much I've talked about this, but like when Gamergate happened, I was um, going on like it literally happened the day that I was going on a trip, like a vacation with some other friends from games who were like one of whom was like being targeted during Gamergate. And it kind of ruined our vacation, <laughs> as you might expect. Uh, actually, multiple people on that trip got harassed. I never really did, which is kind of crazy. But, um, well, I mean, I sort of did. But given how close I was to that stuff. But, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Of like that, I had a good trip. But, like, you know, thinking about the fallout and all that, the kind of craziness that's happening online, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of jealousy a lot of people are unhappy. There's so many uh, sort of power dynamics that are shifting. And I mean, I think that's like kind of boiling up and creating this sort of resentment that ends up giving birth to like a lot of the right wing reactionary stuff that exists now. And I mean, and you've totally, I've noticed that you've totally been a target of some of that stuff. Like I, saw some video like come up just randomly like it was a recommended video about you on youtube and it was like basically like i don't know a a hit piece or something but it was it was just like like it's like how dare you stream and talk about your feelings or whatever like that's what it just felt like it felt like it was like she's taking advantage of people because she's streaming and people are paying her money and it's like well why like you know they can choose to not I, i don't know anyway i don't we don't yeah. have to get into that a lot if you want to, but it seems like this perception of you as being like mentally unstable and begging for money sort of got created out of this or something. I mean, there was like this kind of back and forth thing that happened where like, you know, I started getting harassed and then I felt bad about that or like I reacted to it. And then I started getting harassed more. And then I see that, like, all these people are starting to unfollow me. And, like, to be fair, I guess it was very abrupt for people. I guess thinking back, like, I sometimes I really beat myself up that, like, I didn't, like, gradually, like, I don't know. 
things were like weird the things didn't happen more gradually yeah it just felt like it felt like i just like kind of reacted to everything that was happening just in the moment yeah and also that the transition was more gradual and transparent during those during 2015 when i was very like closed to everyone um mm-hmm. so i don't know um i don't know you know you <laughs> was like the kiwi kiwi farms and then reddit and yeah 4chan well, and youtube i mean by that point there's dedicated harassment communities and networks that it's have been kind of like built it's from gamer the internet used to not be like this like i know that like well okay just from my experience it took until 2013 before i started feeling like the malice from the internet mm-hmm. and then it's ramped up since then except actually i want to say that like really recently i haven't felt much harassment recently and i think i've been kind of doing better but i've i've definitely been like extremely hard on myself i was addicted to reading comments about me and i would read them all and be incredibly self-critical towards myself that's just like i was also coping with like a you know using marijuana probably too frequently Mm. i've since kind of quit i'm not really i don't know the last time i used it you had like an like a little injury for a while too and that's okay that's the thing that was really frustrating because like if my hands were perfectly okay then i could just you know i could continue to kind of do what i'm doing with gaming i know this is a really common thing with esports and speedrunning too is like a lot of people burn out in their mid to late 20s because of injuries or because of just fatigue and stuff like i've I've heard i don't know if this has ever been like officially done studies on this but this is like totally a phenomenon that exists it absolutely is um there's like hacks in the melee community who like had to see like a whole bunch of doctors because this his like wrist is completely like messed up because of playing smash and then there's lots of speedrunners to get pain i definitely got pain I, okay here's the thing like my hands right now like i can hold the joy cons pretty well if mm-hmm. i hold like a traditional controller and i play for like two hours like it's starting to be painful and like if i continue it will get worse and then if i continue it'll get worse and like the the nature of speedrunning is that you spend like countless hours like go, like working on this stuff and so if your hands can't do it then you're just kind of not able to really do anything mm-hmm. and so i decided that i wanted to do more things like just kind of vlog or whatever cuz i didn't really know what else to do yeah and you and you still have all these twitch subscribers you're still making your living through it so it's like yeah. that's your that's your network and so i tried to do that people people unfollowed really a lot and people were pissed that i was not speedrunning. um people are not sympathetic about my hand issue people were kind of bigoted and people also felt really uneasy by me and the fact that you're trans and you're talking about your feelings now in a community that like no one it's like taboo to ever talk about yeah your another thing too is that like you know after years of like actually finally you know finally starting hrt and everything it made me like i don't know i was messing with my like kind of presentation a lot and my expression a lot and i think i like 
you're figuring out in an extremely and public I, I st- way. Yeah, and like I still am, but like back then, it you know there was some. Just, it was a lot, you know. It was a lot. It was a lot, and um, gosh, I don't know. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, most people. Well, I won't say most people. Uh, it's probably not good to like, but a lot of people like they get they transition and they get involved they presumably have some sort of community or at the very least even if it's online it's a small sort of community they they're sharing in the midst of you know other people they know and um you know i remember when i started transitioning there was like a forum for it and you know people were supportive to each other and of course there was a lot of like bitchy and catty stuff too um as there is now on like trans and queer twitter but like um it uh there's a little bit more of a resource dedicated to support but you're in a situation where people follow you where you you have a you already have a platform uh on a highly volatile sort of online space and it's it's really easy for when there when people already have resentment of you for various reasons maybe just for the fact that you're popular you know it's really easy for you to just become that target um and that's your community that's your support but like there's so many power imbalances so it means that like it's not it's not equal and there yeah i don't know it's it's really weird <laughs> yeah. to think about because we like I don't know. I I, th- I think about like how um, you know on Twitter and stuff we used to just like give out our phone number. Or, like I used to just give out our my phone number to people because it's like you know who cares? Like no one's ever gonna. And then like with all that Gamergate stuff, like and the fact that people were leveraging that to harass people, anyone that they didn't like, uh, you can't do that anymore. And and you know now there's like so much concern about security and it never feels like it's enough and i don't know like it's crazy to think about how quickly that changed because it it wasn't that way you know i mean there was always harassment and and that kind of doxing and that kind of stuff happening to some extent but like it was happening on kind of corners of the internet not you know like how it is now yeah I don't know if I have anything to add to that, but that was well said. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, well, we both grew up on the internet, so... Um, I mean, I... Thankfully, I mean, I, I think the only reason, like, why some of the, the stuff that happened was less bad for me is I just didn't have, like, a huge popular platform. And when I transitioned, I was kind of in an off... A period when I wasn't on the internet a lot, and it was before, like, social media got really big, and you know, all that other stuff. So it was just like, I kind of did it on the DL and came back. And so a lot of people didn't know me or have like a super big impression of me beforehand, but you were just the opposite. Like you have, you set a record, you've, (laughs) you know, you, you've set a bunch of records, you've done all this stuff, you founded this community and people know you, they know what you look like and then you transition and you know, they suddenly, yeah, it's like a lot built up kind of. And then, yeah, they like, a lot it's like it's a, you're basically a celebrity i mean it's it's basically like you're a celebrity who has transitioned now and you know people get used to your image being around and now they have to deal with the fact that you're actually a different person and um, maybe that's kind of naive in thinking that like 
that people would like kind of believe in me regardless of like the I don't know I don't know how to word it I thought 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 people would be there for me more I guess but I do have a really good kind of core community yeah like I, I have you know like I there are lots of people that I'm like kind of friends with or like um just like on my online community them mm-hmm. i have like a discord server and like my stream i get like a lot of a lot I, of familiar faces yeah i know i know people who definitely watch your stream a lot of like trans people in particular um because it is like you know you're very visible and it's just nice to have somebody who's a huge part of speedrunning and the community um be visible and and out there you know in spite of all the shit that you have gotten i don't know it's interesting to to hear that you you're getting less crap now i mean it feels like that i mean i don't know i guess things can change but um i don't know it feels like lately things have not been so bad so um i guess one last question that i want to ask you is how do you feel like the the speed where do you feel like the speed running community is at now and what is your sort of feelings on it or what and um i guess also if you wanted to talk about any other interests or projects that you're working on too yeah so you know back then it was it was kind of closer together in that like there's like these big like i don't know i guess um gosh how do i say this i felt like the GDQ marathons and the Speed Demos Archive community and Speedruns Live and all the people there felt very close together. Um, and that I was kind of like on top of the world, kind of. I was like, I was mad with power, as you said. But now it feels like speedrunning has hit such like a large audience that it's more spread out now. And also with SRL kind of diminishing. And then some people. Um, getting really into the GDQ culture and some people shying away from it. Uh, it just feels like there's like different pockets of speedrunning. Um, it's like more spread out and um, in some ways diminished, but probably bigger overall, if that makes any way- sense. Yeah, I mean, being involved with the indie game space, it's kind of the same thing where it's 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 a larger community now, but the centralizedness of certain people or voices is not as much anymore. Yeah, and I guess um I was say the part of the question. Um Um uh, so yeah, your impressions of the community now and also other projects that things that you're working on or Yeah, so um well, regarding speedrunning, I'm I'm really just focused on Breath of the Wild right now. Actually I kinda got into Sonic Mania for a little while. But um Yeah, turned, I saw that on, on Twitter. It turns out that like I kind of have a problem where this is this is really specific, but like there's this input spin dashing where you have to like rev up your spin dash, and to rev it up optimally, you need to press at least six buttons, maybe more if you want to be safe, and every button needs to be pressed in very short time one after another, and if you're running individual levels like I was doing, then you want to really hit those six buttons really fast. And if you press them at the same time, it does. It only counts as one, so you have to like hit them one after the other, like really well. And so when I was playing with the Joy Cons, 
like I couldn't really hit three of the jump buttons I could only hit two of them so I would just like roll my thumb back and forth but that's kind of slow and so it's kind of slowing me down and I was like oh maybe I need to figure out like a different controller or something so I tried the switch pro controller I even tried playing with it upside down because that would let my fingers rest on it better but um, that started to hurt my wrist and then like I was thinking that even if I got like the PC version and played on a keyboard that would probably also hurt my wrist and so I've been a little bit distant from that so basically my only speedrunning project right now is Breath of the Wild which I actually foresee myself really putting a lot more time into and actually we're up to you're on the you're doing the all main quests run it's all main quests I, I play on the harder difficulty and, and i do not use the amiibo and you have the world record right now don't i do and there's someone in huanti who is like closing in so i might i could lose the record like tomorrow potentially but i'm also working on it and like i'm working on like a new route and it's kind of cool because like <laughs> there's like different possible routes that seem to be really close in time so i don't know it's like the route's not really solidified so there's a lot that could change it's yeah it's it's hazy so i remember um talking to you earlier that you said that um that like you feel like the most people still pay attention to like uh the n64 runs and stuff like that why do you think that is is it is it because either those games are just really familiar for people or is it because they're so glitchy or or what what do you think it is about it versus like you know a lot of yeah the so games? there's a, there's a lot going on there it's like for okay there's a lot of reasons for one thing they're classics so there's also a nostalgia factor. There's also the fact that they've been established as speedrun games by people like myself. Um, also, um, they do have that crazy glitchiness, and some people are still like really in love with that. Even though a lot of the runs, there's still like a lot of like. Sometimes you know you see it a thousand times. The routes get kind of like, you just see it a lot, and it's not very exciting anymore. But. Um, they've just kind of been established but then i guess there's a kind of elitism that grows out of that where it's like these are the real speedrun games these are classics and they've been established and there's a lot of runners for them and so this is what you need to care about and i think that's kind of a weird approach because um i don't know there's like you could speedrun any game and like it's not like yeah. these games that happen to be popular in nintendo games or like the end all be all of speedrunning. My favorite speedruns oftentimes are like weird broken PC games because they have <laughs> a lot of glitches in them yeah. and they're also not popular. Um, and also I have like an affinity towards weird PC games in general. Yeah. Because I grew up with a lot of that. Um, so are you are you working on any other projects? I'm working on a game. It's like a... I haven't talked about it too much. It's just like this, um, I've been working on it for a long time. It's kind of like a board game. It's like a strategy like, game. Yeah, kind of like chess or something. Um, I'm happy with it, but also I have a lot more to do. And like, I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever want to sell it or like, I just feel like I kind of want to be in control of the project so I can like, 
once again, I want to be the visionary. Like, I guess I just, I can't help yeah, myself. I mean, but I mean, I guess I conceptualize this thing and it's very, it's not really, it's not really like trying to take ownership of like a hobby, you know, like speed running or whatever. It's like, it's not like I'm trying to take like, it's like kind of just my own thing. And like, I like, I want to, I want to make it good, but yeah yeah well there's there's places you can just like itch.io and websites you can put out stuff for free and people will totally play it probably people will play it because you have a big audience too or at least you know yeah i might put it out for free and then just kind of organically grow like a a little community of people who are into it i guess i'm gonna do a tournament on christmas i might actually just i'll probably just stream the tournament yeah that would be cool um so people could see it and those are like really the two projects that I have like the Breath of the Wild speedrunning and then the game project that's like really the two things that I'm working on but um, with Breath of the Wild it's not like I guess one of the biggest differences in this modern era of speedrunning for me is that I regret not saving a lot of my old streams like back in the day like I mm. I did all these Wind Waker streams, all these Ocarina of Time streams, and all these other games. All these streams are like gone in history. They were never saved. So I kind of regret that. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do with Breath of the Wild now is actually just simply record every single moment that I play it. Every single moment is streamed. Every single moment is saved and archived. And I have this massive archive of video and it almost becomes like a diary of my life kind of it's kind of it almost goes beyond speed running it's kind of like its own kind of thing that's interesting yeah so that's kind of a, maybe a different perspective i have with it now and it kind of makes it more about the journey and not so much like oh i must break this final record and then say owned <laughs> you know it's it's not really like that yeah it's it's trying to sort of reconstruct this community that oftentimes can be around very competitive into something that's like more about your life and things yeah it's that... kind of like a it's partially like a solo thing it's partially a collaborative thing and it can be competitive too but cool yeah. so is is there anything else you wanted to say before before we go um i hope everyone listening has a good day <laughs> wow okay. that's a insightful comment <laughs> well thank you narcissa for being on i really really appreciate it and i'm sure a lot of people will totally get something out of this conversation so your your twitter is just narcissa right right that's correct yeah and i'll link it in the you know this description and it's also twitch.tv slash narcissa right yep okay cool and you have a youtube also yep which is I guess like a giant string of hex characters or something oh, <laughs> or like okay. I don't know. We can probably find it on your like Yeah. You can just google Narcissa right, you'll find my account. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on. This yeah. is a totally great conversation and I hope people like it. Okay. Bye. <laughs>